another Michigan's happy hour here in ESPN-UP. The sports pen with Tanner Hoops, and I'm delighted that you're along as usual. And you know what else is usual for Wednesdays? John Michael Hopling of ABC10 is kind enough to lend us his time and co-host today's show. What's going on, Mike? Not much, man. Always glad to be here, so... Yeah, wondering yeah. what we got today and looking forward to it. Well, it's going to be a fun show, I tell you what. i got a lot that I'm going to try and pack into the course of this hour, and if we can't, we'll uh, get to it tomorrow. But there is a new challenge that's been going around that I actually tried myself and I had a lot of fun with. Um, Michael Jordan's teammates continue to dislike him more and more as we get reaction from the Last Dance documentary. John Stockton had just a terrible player comp, someone who he thought in the modern NBA most resembles him, and I'll tell you who that was over the course of the next hour. Plus, we might have a path to a college football season. There is some talk, at least some schools in some states have a plane in place. We'll get to that and more over the course of the next hour, but I want to start by just saying that all of our thoughts and prayers certainly are with the people in Midland and everyone who's going through the flooding downstate. It's just it's horrible, Michael. I see some of those pictures down there, and I'm sure that your station's been covering it as well. But I saw a particular image today that I saw some kind of large object. I thought at first glance maybe it was a building that was almost, you know, uh, or a shed or something that was almost covered in water. turned out to be a school bus because I could read the little letters at the top where it said school bus. And the school bus was almost completely submerged in water, and it's just it's terrible what's happened down there since the dam broke last night, and we're just hoping everybody stays safe and feeling terrible for everyone down there. Hate that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know, hopefully that they can continue to get back to normal life. It's just you know, one thing happens, and it you know, when it rains, it pours, and certainly we're thinking of everyone down there in Midland. I do want to get to this here, Mike, because the Athletic, the online sports newspaper. They came up with a new trend, a new challenge, and I partook, and i got to say, it's it's pretty darn fun. What they did is they gave seven of their staff writers $50, and they said, whoever can come up with the most obscure sports paraphernalia, sports memorabilia, can or is the winner. I don't know what they get or what have you, but they had to go on eBay and find the most obscure sports memorabilia they could, all without going over the $50 cap. So I tried it myself, Mike, and I think I came up with a pretty good list. I had fun doing this, actually. And here's what I came up with. All this I could buy on eBay right now for $50 or less. Hey, really, anyone could go out there and buy it for $50 or less. This does not include shipping, though, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that stipulation out there. You could buy a Los Angeles Dodgers radio helmet. So it's like a little mini L.A. Dodgers batting helmet, but it's a radio it's got an AM, FM radio. It's kind of old school, but I like it since, you know, I'm in radio. It's on eBay right now. You can buy it now for twenty one ninety five. That's sick. Yeah. I would buy that. I would, too. I mean, a little helmet radio. If I found a Twins one, sure, I'd pull the trigger for it. Um, but that gets me to about $22 of my 50 So I still got a little more that I found that I could spend. For $15, I could get a vintage... 1985 Junkyard Dog, the former professional wrestler, a Junkyard Dog Titan Sports Plastic Cup, a promotional cup of the 1980s wrestler, the Junkyard Dog, for $15. All right. So you're at, 30, <laughs> so you're at 37 bucks. You got 13 left. All right. So did you, did you find anything else? I did. I did. I still uh, found a way to spend the rest of the money. This might be my favorite one, and I know a lot of our brewer listeners up here are going to like it. You can get a J.J. Hardy nesting doll, those little Russian dolls where, you know, you open one up, and inside is a smaller version of the same doll. You open that one up, and it's a smaller version, and so on and so forth. You can get a J.J. Hardy Russian nesting doll in his brewer uniform for just a buck twenty-five. That I might forgot be my JJ favorite. Hardy played for the, I forgot J.J. Hardy played for the Brewers. Oh, yeah. yeah. It might have been his best best stretch of his career, you think, was with the Brewers? I would argue that. I don't know. I don't know. His, his time with the Orioles, back when the Orioles were something yeah. decent, I think that was pretty good, too. Yeah. I think that was the only time he was an All-Star, right? It might have been. He had a decent year with the Twins and then a not-so-decent year. Uh, but that might be my favorite, a J.J. Hardy nesting doll. You can buy it now on eBay for a buck twenty-five. That might be my favorite. And then I've got about what thirty-nine dollars. So 
I just I wanted to round it out, and I know this isn't totally sports-related, but it's in the sports category on eBay, so I count it. It's for $11, so it gets me to buy 50 A t-shirt that says, Donut Give Up, with a picture of a donut on it. How about that? Okay. How is that sports-related? <laughs> it's it. I don't think it is, but it's in the sports category on eBay. All right. If it was a batting donut, then maybe I could I could see it. Nope. This is the food donut. Hmm. Donut right, give I'm, up. I'm, I'm failing to see the connection, but you know what? <laughs> it's in the sports category. You're making it work. Yeah. So we're making it, and it gets me right to my 50. So that's what. I could, or I did this challenge the athletic is doing. What is the most obscure sports memorabilia that you could buy for fifty dollars or less? So I came up with a junkyard dog plastic promotional cup, a Dodgers helmet radio, a JJ Hardy nesting doll, and a T-shirt that says "Donut Give Up." I might win this challenge, Mike. That's tight. That's a pretty good. I'm trying, group. I'm trying to think if there's anything that, like, I know of that could cost less than 50 bucks like i don't know i spent a lot of time with the like angels like or near the angel organization back when i was in college there was a because uh, they have they have a rally monkey uh, <laughs> out in angel stadium there's probably a bunch of stuff like that, that you could get but other than that not much i could think of like there's you know all these teams had promotional giveaway nights scheduled for you know throughout this year and what are they going to do with all that stuff? Like, it's just sitting in a bin somewhere. Like, who was it? I think it was the Mariners. They were having a J.P. Crawford pajama night. Like, J.P. Crawford pajamas. I think that was supposed to be last week, actually. So there is a room somewhere at – it's not Safeco Field anymore. I don't know what they call it. It's, uh, but uh, there is some storage room that is just full of J.P. Crawford commemorative pajamas. Like, what are these teams going to do with all this stuff? Like, there's all this memorabilia that they probably could just send out on eBay. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I'd kind of like to get my hands on that. I'm a big sports memorabilia guy, Mike. Is there a better night than J.P. Crawford night that you saw? The J.P. Crawford else? pajama night? I'm, I don't know. Um, I know that the Diamondbacks were having a night where it was – no, no, no. It was, uh, it was the Cubs. It was the Cubs with Craig Kimbrell. They were having – or they were going to do a promotional giveaway – of like fake Craig Kimbrell beards for like the first 500 fans or 5,000, I don't know. But uh, man, there's some darn good promotion opportunities and all that promotional gear is just, it's sitting there. I would like to Craig Kimbrell beard. <laughs> you could go to Wrigley Field on whatever night was supposed to be Craig Kimbrell night. I think, I think yesterday was supposed to be Manny Ramirez uh, Red Sox Hall of Fame induction ceremony, and they were going to give out bobbleheads. And, uh, you know, those are some pretty darn cool bobbleheads. I know I was at uh, Tory Hunter's uh, Twins Hall of Fame induction ceremony, and I got Tory Hunter's bobblehead. And, uh, man, I, I'm a, I don't know. I'm just a big sports memorabilia guy, so I don't know what these teams are going to do with it, but if they're looking to sell it at a pretty decent price, I'd be interested. 50 bucks, though. 50 bucks? No less. I'm oh, sorry, no more, no more. What do you think? What what would you spend $50 on? It's got to be obscure. It's got to be like something like J.P. Crawford pajamas or fake Craig Kimbrell beards. Remember when Joe Bauer had the sideburns? They had fake sideburns, I remember. Oh, in a game. yeah. Oh, that'd be really cool. Those were cool. Yeah. Gardner Minshew and Jacksonville, they're doing that with I, mustaches. I can't think of anything that that obscure, like off the top of my head, that I would really want. No. I mean, you a bobblehead guy? Uh, I don't know. I've, I've never been a I've never been a memorabilia guy. Really? As much. I've been like a poster guy if there are posters of anything. Okay. But um, was that like a couple like in the seventies? Wasn't there like a destroyed disco night at, at wherever the Cleveland Indians were playing? Jacobs Field. Yeah, or there was something like that, and then it went horribly. Because uh, they like blew up a bunch of CDs or something like that, or a bunch of vinyl records, and of course, blowing things up never goes well. No. So, how about uh, this? I know, I know, you're a San Jose Sharks fan. You can get a crystal San Jose Sharks commemorative puck for thirty-five dollars. A crystal puck? What does that have to do with anything? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a crystal San Jose Sharks commemorative puck. 
It's not comm- all right. I need to know what it's commemorating, but yeah, you're on to something there. You're on to something. Do you know right Jonathan track. Chicho? I love jo- Did you just say Chicho? Is that how you say it? Chichu. Chichu. The Chichu train. Oh, 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 oh gotcha. Everybody hop on the Chichu train when I- he won the Rocket Richard Trophy in 2006. Chichu. Well, you can get his commemorative puck for $20. There we go. All right, all right. That's something yeah, you'd be interested in? Yeah, yeah, I love John. Back in the day, I loved John Chichu. He's one of my favorite sharks all time. All right. Him, so, yeah, commemorative Ryan puck. Ryan Klo. I, I miss Ryan Klo. He was cool. <laughs> oh, here's the thing, Michael. If you really do get your $50 from the athletic, you won't. But if you were to, uh, and you decide that you want to spend it all, if you pay $50 for this $20 puck, it ships for free. Oh, so $30 shipping, basically? <laughs> basically. I think that's how NHL Shop gets you. Yeah. C- come on. Come on now. <laughs> how much is shipping regularly? I don't know. I just know that you can get maybe, – maybe if you combine your order and you get something else at NHLShop.com, then maybe if you get to $50, you get free shipping. Okay, maybe. But then I feel like you're sort of limiting yourself to only – NHL material, and that's not going to win you the prize for the athletic. I think that's true. That's what you think I, I, I'm excited to see what the athletic writers actually came up with because I think I've got a pretty darn good list that would be pretty competitive. I mean, you got a good list, but think about it. this is their job now. This is their job, the story they're working on to find obscure objects. So it's going to be interesting to see what they can come up with. Well, I'm making it my job to report on it to make radio content. I'm getting paid to do that. True, true, true. So I, you know what? I really actually do kind of want that JJ Hardy nesting doll, and it's a buck twenty-five on eBay. But I will say that'd be a really good thing once you can have people back in the studio. That'd be a good topic of conversation. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a good just sitting you know, there the whole time. It'd be a good decoration for my studio too. I, you know, once yeah. we can get back to a little bit normal life and not working from home, I do have the decorations out here on my countertop working from home. So I kind of have that studio feel to it. I've got my Crosby bobblehead just kind of staring blankly at the tailbacks. Yeah. I, I remember, well, I remember that uh, you always had a couple things out there, but you, I, like I've seen pictures of your home station now, your home office, and it's way more decorated than your station at the station was. Yeah, I got to keep so, it professional there. When we, oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. I was going to ask when we get back, are you going to, decorated a little bit more or not but, oh yeah i'll right. get some decorations back there it's like i've got my play like a champion sign here i don't get a mm-hmm. slap it every day when i leave anymore because where, where am i going <laughs> i tell yeah. you what uh we've been rambling about sports memorabilia for almost the entire first segment so let's take our first time out now when we come back mj's teammates continue to dislike how they were portrayed in the last dance plus john stockton was just a terrible player cop for himself next on espn up lawns and gardens grow better on topsoil than on rocks ishpeming concrete is now open for you to get your planting season started get a half yard of topsoil gently loaded into your pickup truck for just 18 bucks that's a whole lot less than the 25 bags you'd need from the home store sweeten up your plantings and fix your lawn from the ravages of winter topsoil the softer side of Ishpeming Concrete, 400 Stone Street behind Robbins Flooring, open weekdays 8 till 4.30, locally owned with a total commitment to quality, there's no contact paying with a credit card, and you don't need to leave your vehicle. Now open Saturdays, 7 to noon. Now back to the sports pen, here's Tanner Hoop. Stockton with just a terrible player comparison for himself, and it's it's hilarious. If you've seen this video, which I believe has gone viral, plus MJ's teammates continue to speak out against him. Let's start with John Stockton, though, Michael, because he was on a Zoom call a few days ago, and I believe this video has gone viral. It's out there on the Internet, and it's worth a watch because him and 15 other Hall of Fame basketball players were on a Zoom call together. It was guys like... Shaq, Dominique Wilkins, Gary the Glove Payton, and uh, Charles Barkley, some of the guys that, you know, all went on to the Hall of Fame. Muggsy Bogues was also part of that 
uh, that Zoom chat, weirdly enough. So somebody asked Stockton if there was one player that is most comparable to him in the modern NBA. You know, first of all, who would you who would you say? Because I, I thought Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul kind of plays the way John Stockton did. The first person that came to my mind was Rajon Rondo, hmm. but maybe like a couple of years ago, Rajon Rondo. Yeah. Celtics maybe not, Rondo. Maybe not nowadays. No. Yeah, yeah. Celtics <laughs> Rajon Rondo. Well, when asked this question, John Stockton told 15 other NBA Hall of Famers that the player that is most comparable to his game is Giannis Antetokounmpo. And um, those right. guys <laughs> just howled with laughter. <laughs> Was it a joke or was he serious? I don't know. If he was joking, he did the perfect deadpan to make it look like he was actually serious. I don't know if it, he was being facetious or not. The look on his face said no, but maybe he was acting to get a reaction out of those guys. But they just erupted with laughter over the Zoom call that John Stockton is comparing his game to Giannis Antetokounmpo. The only thing that Giannis and John Stockton have in common is the on sound in their first name that's it <laughs> they play and, such complete they could not be more opposite yeah i mean i guess they sort of both are average at three-pointers but <laughs> i think that, that's it who do you think's a better three-point shooter stockton or Giannis? i i'd say stockton because stockton has more longevity with shooting threes yeah Giannis just really got into it this past year you know yeah and Giannis and is he's getting, getting better he's he might be yeah, on he's that getting better but he's he, he's getting better but still right now if you ask me to take somebody in a three-point shooting contest i'd still probably say stockton it's just i don't know what he sees in his game that's comparable to Giannis. stockton was primarily a passer you know he was a floor general he direct uh direct guys and direct traffic out on the floor and he was a pass first type of guy Giannis is this 611 what is he is he, he might be seven feet I don't know but he's like at least 611 just this monster that once he decides he's going to go to the basket on you you're done it's over he is one of the most unstoppable forces we've seen in basketball especially for a big man since maybe Shaq in his prime Giannis is more is way more comparable to Carl Malone on that Utah Jazz team because one he was the go-to scoring option and two he works around the rim. Mm -hmm. John Stockton never worked around the rim. And Stockton, uh, I mean uh, Giannis is still miles ahead of where Carl Malone was, and I think he might have been in that yeah. Zoom chat too. Where would you put Carl Malone in terms of top? Would you would you say Malone is? A top 10 player all time? No. No. I don't think he's top 10. Maybe top 20. Okay. I'd probably Number two scorer all time. It's crazy. Number two scorer all time, and nobody thinks he's, like, that great. No. He never won a championship, but. Well, Kobe is a, a, what is he, top four scorer all time, and there's not a lot of people that would put Kobe in the top 10, or even the top five. I mean, Kobe's probably a borderline top 10 for a lot of people. Yeah, true. But I tell you what, that was – Hilarious, and again, it's worth the watch if you can track down that video, John Stockton uh, comparing himself to Giannis Antetokounmpo and 15 fellow NBA Hall of Famers just erupt with laughter at the thought of that, like I'm sure anyone does who watches that video. Man, isn't it going to be good? Like, can you not wait, Michael, for the day where we don't use Zoom anymore? We collectively just delete our Zoom apps completely as a country. I mean, I'm sure Zoom's not looking forward to that, but yeah, we are. <laughs> I never heard of it before all this. Yeah, I, I didn't know it was a thing either. I thought Skype was going to be the way that a lot of people were going to mm -hmm. go, but yeah, and this newfangled app joins the party named Zoom, and the world has changed forever. Today has been one of those days where technology has not been kind to me. Usually I'm a pretty good technical savvy guy, at least uh, – I shouldn't say that because uh, half the stuff in my studio, I probably don't know how it works anyway. But usually I'm pretty good with, like, technology. Today has not been one of those days. So I'm kind of looking forward to the day where not technology goes away, but we simplify it a little bit. But nonetheless, we're still able to get the sports pen here in the air, and we're thankful for that. Michael Jordan is not making any friends with the Last Dance documentary that's come out. Several of his teammates have come out and said that they are upset with the way they were portrayed. Uh, Scottie Pippen was one. Craig Hodges, very outspoken about it. Now, Horace Grant is the latest of MJ's teammates 
who has come out and said that he doesn't like the way that he was portrayed in that film. And uh, he specifically talked about MJ uh, revealing Craig Hodges. I know that was his beef with the Jordan documentary, too, was that uh, Jordan would report in the documentary in The Last Dance about the trips at the hotel, the uh, the parties that would go on in the hotel rooms with the drugs and the women. And I know Craig Hodges specifically said, you know, we're watching that with my family. And I got explained to a 12-year-old kid uh, what crack is and why his father was doing it back in during his playing days. And, uh, and Horace Grant even went on to call MJ a snitch during an interview with ESPN 1000 in Chicago. The first thing that comes to my head is, I mean, Horace Grant knew that the cameras were there, right? I would imagine he had some inkling of it. Yeah, so, I mean, if he knows the cameras are there, how can he be so upset that the footage comes out? I wonder if anyone is actually happy. Like, none of these Bulls players, you know, it's called The Last Dance. They were all together and everything, but it's a Jordan documentary. It's not a Bulls documentary. This has been a Jordan documentary, and the Bulls that were part of those teams – they know it, and I don't know that there's really anyone who's happy with how they were portrayed. Uh, I, I don't know. Does Dennis Rodman seem to mind? I don't know. I mean, he had <laughs> it all out there in the open anyway. Pro- no matter how Rodman's portrayed, it can't be worse than how he's portrayed in real life. Exactly. He's had uh, it all out there in the open anyway. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like you said, it's a Jordan documentary. It's not about them. So, like, even if, like, they have a part in the documentary – it's not going to be about them, so it's not going to tell their whole story. So you're only going to see certain aspects. But I think that's obvious from it being a Jordan documentary. It's obviously not going to tell everything about these players that didn't have as much to do with the dynasty as MJ. You know, and I think there's a case to be made here. If there's anybody who might be happy that they were shown in this documentary, it might be Steve Kerr. I mean, we learned a lot about Steve Kerr I don't think we previously knew. I probably wouldn't sit through 10 hours of a Steve Kerr documentary, but a 30 for 30, I think you can make a really interesting one with Steve Kerr, especially from his playing career. Yeah, and then moving into his coaching career. I mean, the one thing that a lot of people are saying about the last dance is that you could tell that Steve Kerr was always meant to be a coach. Even during his playing days, he was like a coach for the Bulls and Mm -hmm. the Spurs. So I think that's kind of cool, kind of a cool way to look at it is – yeah, this guy, you can tell which players are going to be good coaches. And I think that's something you can do in the NFL, too. Because a lot of people are saying that, you know, a lot of quarterbacks that might not have totally worked out but can still seem to be really good coaches in the future, like Sam Bradford, I think, is going to make a really good coach in the future. So kind of interesting to see players that you can tell. You can tell what they're going to do in the future for the sport. Do you know anybody, or does anyone come to mind in basketball you think right now could be a really good coach? Ooh, okay, let me think. That'd be a good, that's a, that is a good topic. Who in basketball right now in the NBA do we think could go on to make a pretty darn good coach in the future? Man, all right, it ha- I mean, it has to be somebody who gets along with, who gets along, knows how to handle a clubhouse, mm-hmm. has some veteran leadership, stayed around for a little bit. Um... Like, Tim Duncan is going down the coaching path, but I don't think any of us really thought, and I don't even think Tim Duncan thought when he was a player that he'd ever be a coach. I mean, he's very fundamental, but, I mean, I don't think he'd be a very good coach either just because I don't think he has the personality to lead a locker room, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He did so as a player. I mean, he did so as a player, but so did Kevin Durant. Well, would you say that Kevin Durant has the personality of a coach? No, but I don't think anyone thought that about uh, Tim Duncan either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if Tim Duncan has the personality of a coach that's needed. All right. That fire, that that one desire to win. Um, yeah, somebody who's got mm-hmm. leadership, who's you know, and he's a student of the game. Like he's a smart player. Uh, does Gordon Hayward come to mind for you? Gordon Hayward. That, that's not bad. That's not bad. I feel like he could be a good coach. If we're talking student of the game, I think DeMar DeRozan. Oh, good one. Could be a good one. Okay. I, I know he studies a lot of film. Hmm. I don't think Kawhi Leonard has the personality, but I, <laughs> I know that he's also a huge student. I don't think he has uh, the desire to do it. Yeah. He'll just – I don't know what he'll do after. 
don't know. Eh, out of the way. I'd like to, you know, explore that once we have a little time to think about it and research it. But I do want to get to this before the break, and we're switching gears a little bit to go to the NFL because in the last month since the NFL draft occurred, the NFL jersey sales from NFLshop.com have looked pretty darn interesting. I've got the top 10 NFL jersey sales in the last month since the draft, and you got to imagine that the guys who are going to be on this list, and they are indeed, are the young guys who just got drafted and guys who are changing teams. And one player occupies the top two spots for uh, best-selling jersey in the NFL, and then a different player occupies spots three through six, and in fact, he's half the top ten. So, do you want to guess who it is before I give it to you, Mike? This, uh, all right, this is NBA jersey sales, right? NFL. NFL, sorry, sorry, sorry. All right, I mean, Tom Brady for sure, right? Tom Brady, yep, he's, he's definitely on this list, but he's not the top seller. Hmm, Pat Mahomes. It is not Pat Mahomes. The, in the, and this is only in the last month since the draft. The highest-selling NFL jersey. Oh, oh okay. Uh, yep, did you miss that part? Yeah, yeah, I missed the part about it since the draft. I mean, I don't think I still don't think it would be Joe Burrow. He's not number one. Who want, yeah, who wants to buy a Bengals jersey? <laughs> uh, Bengals fans. Only Ocho Cinco. Ocho Cinco is the only Bengals jersey I would want to buy. <laughs> uh, but it need like you know what I'm saying. It needs to be somebody who reaches further than just their one team, which is why I thought Tom Brady would be a very good pick. Everybody wants the Brady Bucks jersey. Yeah, and a lot is of he, people have bought those. Is Gronk on the list? He is on the list, but he's not been the highest seller in the last month. Who, all right, who's been the highest seller? Tua Tungavailoa. That makes sense. All right, I get that one. Tua's home Dolphins jersey has been the highest-selling NFL jersey from NFLShop.com since the draft. Number two, Tua's road jersey. So Tua's home and road jerseys right now are the best-selling jerseys from NFLShop.com. Number three through six, all Tom Brady. It is, a, And they have such weird variations here. Number three, the best-selling jersey uh, since the NFL draft, Brady's Buccaneer pewter alternate with vapor and don't ask me what with vapor is because i don't know but that is the third best-selling jersey uh according is to NFLShop.com. is the brady creamsicle jersey up there it is not which Dang. and that's the best one that i, I, yeah, I think know that'd be the one everyone would want number four is brady's road buccaneer jersey number five is the home buccaneer jersey and number six is the red home alternate with vapor, whatever that means, uh, selling at number six. Number seven is Gronk's alternate pewter Buccaneer jersey. Number eight is, there's the Bengals jersey there, Mike. Joe Burrow's uh, black home jersey, his home Cincinnati Bengals jersey, has been the eighth best-selling uniform from NFLShop.com in the last month. Number nine is Gronk's home Buccaneer jersey. And then number 10, we go back to Tom Brady, and they have another pewter alternate. So whatever, I don't know, this one's without vapor for what that's worth, uh, is the 10th best-selling jersey since the draft. Yeah, the vapor totally makes it so I understand that. What does that mean, though? I don't know what that is. I have no idea. I have zero idea. (laughs) The vapor is what makes or breaks it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I have no idea what that means, but I can tell that, you know, it just adds a new element to the entire jersey. I tell you what, Tanner Hoops, John Michael Holkling with you. Let's take our next time out. When we come back, there is real hope that we're going to have college sports, not just pro, but college this fall. We'll tell you why next on ESPN-UP. Hello, this is Kelly George, President and CEO of MBank. We understand that there is a lot of uncertainty right now, but you can rest assured knowing your money is safe and secure with MBank. We remain in sound financial condition with strong levels of capital and liquidity to serve your financial needs, and our dedicated and experienced staff is here to help you through this challenging time. We have created a COVID-19 loan relief program to help alleviate some of the financial pressures you may face as a result of illness or workplace changes. Additionally, MBank is serving as a financial resource to small businesses in our communities, as we will be a primary processor for the various new SBA loan programs as a preferred lender partner of the SBA. As we collectively navigate these uncertain times and work together through social distancing measures to help mitigate the spread of the coronavirus, the safety and well-being of our employees, customers, and the communities we serve remains our top priority. We also remain focused on continuing to provide our essential services to you and thank you for your patience and flexibility. Please stay healthy. 
Please stay safe and good wishes to you all. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Here's Tom from Donkers in the Delft. Yeah, my buddy Fred Donkers in 1918, he had to live through the pandemic is right. He uh, started in 1896, so 1918, he was booming. And the, the uh, Delft actually just reopened at that time. And 1918, right after the war, they, they redid the Delft. And I'm sure the uh, theater soon after that pandemic was packed to the gills. And I hope we have the same situation happen. And, and we'll be safe with whatever we do, no matter what. It's going to be uh, it'll be a fun time to see all our friends and family and have them come in and, and eat some of our tremendous food. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. cornerback DeAndre Baker and Seattle Seahawks defensive back Quentin Dunbar uh, plead Dunbar Dunbar plead not guilty to all eight counts of armed robbery stemming from an incident in Miramar Florida last week the NCAA is imposing a one-year postseason ban on Stephen F Austin's football men's basketball and baseball teams due to insufficient test scores in the last four years they do it apparently in a four-year cycle and finally Some of the holidays being celebrated around the world today include European Maritime Day, National Bee Day, and Be a Millionaire Day. I'd like to participate in that last one. (laughs) I think it'd be fun. I like National Bee Day, man. You do? I thought you were allergic. Yeah, but you got to respect them, man, and what they do. Okay. Got to respect Jerry Seinfeld and what he did for the film industry as well. Okay, what does he have to do with that? He made the B movie. Was that Jerry Seinfeld? That was Jerry Seinfeld. I genuinely did not know that. Yeah. I have not seen that movie since I was a kid, and all I remember about is that Patrick Warburton was in it. Patrick Warburton, Renee Zellweger, and Jerry Seinfeld. That's a good cast. Yeah, pretty good cast, right? Too bad you couldn't see their faces because you know they were playing a B. Mm hmm. And, well, I mean, Patrick Warburton and Renee Zellweger were people, but... It was animated. Yeah. Either or, uh, there is a chance for college sports, a real chance to be going on this fall. And I want to talk about something that I call geographical equity. Before I do that, though, this was kind of a feel-good story. Gilbert Arenas, Agent Zero, former Washington Wizards star player, he just won the lottery. He won $300,000 in a Powerball jackpot, which he is crediting to a homeless man. So what happened here, it's a fascinating story, is that Arenas, he buys the same lottery ticket at the same gas station. He uses the same numbers every week. And he was in a rush to get to that station before it closed. He was almost out of gas, though. So he stopped at a different gas station to uh, fuel up, and a homeless man approaches him and asks if he can borrow some money. And Arena said, you know, I've only got like, you know, I don't have change or smaller bills or whatever. And uh, he admitted, he's like, I kind of just wanted the guy to leave me alone. But then he said that he was in a rush to get his Powerball ticket. If he won, he would come back and he would share his money with this homeless man. So he finishes fueling up. He races to his usual gas station, doesn't make it in time before it closes, and he just assumes that he's missed out on playing the lottery this week. He wakes up to a text saying that he is the winner, that he's the jackpot winner and won $300,000. He thought it was a scam, but then he talked with the clerk at the gas station that he goes to, and the clerk, and I, I give him a ton of credit for this because Gilbert Arenas doesn't need the money. A gas station clerk probably does. He uh, he put in the lottery numbers for Renus. He knew which numbers that he usually used and that he came in uh, during that week at you know at the same time to play the lottery. So this clerk goes ahead and plays it on Arenas's behalf, and he informs Arenas that he's won. So then Gilbert Arenas does his due diligence. He goes back to meet the homeless man that he talked to before uh, trying to buy the ticket. And he gives him an unspecified amount for his safety, he said. But he gave this homeless man part of the uh, part of the jackpot that he won. So good for Gilbert Arenas, a guy who maybe was had his moments in the NBA where he had some issues, what have you, the Javaris Crittenden thing and what have you. But 
Yeah, that's a feel-good story no matter how you look at it. You talk about the clerk at the gas station. That's a good guy. Gilbert Arenas being a good guy. The homeless man. Even him, you know, is wanting to stay anonymous and how much he got because, you know, doesn't want to get mobbed by reporters or whatnot. So, I mean, I mean that's all good, man. Yeah. That feels good. I got a big grin right now. Good story from Gilbert Arenas, Agent Zero, former Washington Wizards star. I tell you what, Michael, when we look at this fall, there's been a lot of talk as to whether we will have college athletics, specifically college football. And the talk is starting to turn. The narrative, the paradigm is shifting from will we have college sports to when can we get this up and running? There's a lot of reason to be optimistic that we could have college athletics this fall. Now, obviously, you need students on campus and in-person classes to make that happen. We didn't know if that was going to happen for a while, but now several universities, including Northern, have modified their fall semester schedule. They're going to start a little bit early, cancel fall break, and they're going to be done with the semester by Thanksgiving. You have to have students on campus in order to have a college athletic season, and it looks like that's more and more plausible. Ohio State has actually set a date for their football players to be able to return to campus for training camp, and that will be here in about two and a half weeks. It'll be June 8th. Ohio State players are going to start reporting back to school. Two separate interviews from this morning, Miami President Dr. Julio Frank and Notre Dame President Father John Jenkins both said that they believe there will be a college football season this year. And, you know, for what it's worth, Notre Dame is going to or supposed to open their season in Ireland. They're going to play a game in Dublin, and uh, I, I have no idea if that's going to happen or where they're going to play that season opener. But there's starting to be real optimism, Michael, that we are going to have college football this fall. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how optimistic I am about it. Because as much as I'd like there to be college sports and as much as I'd like there to be any sport, every single return plan that we've seen thus far has just been speculation. And every single time something comes up within the next three days that shoots it down almost entirely. Like MLB has come up with how many return plans in the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. I feel like every other day I'm hearing something about, yeah, MLB's going to return. They got this brand new plan. It's going to be, oh, July 4th. And then all of a sudden the players are striking. It's like, oh, well, you know, the players, they're going to figure it out. You know, no big deal. And then all of a sudden the owners find out that they might lose, what was it, $147 million each. So now maybe they don't want to do it. And it's like, I don't know, every single time, even the NBA, you know, practice facilities start opening and it's like, all right, they could start playing games maybe in like two months or something like that. Now all of a sudden reports are coming out today that if it does come back, odds are that they would only use the Orlando facilities. And it's like, what's the point of that? What's the point of the practice facilities opening if you're just going to go to Orlando? So, I don't know. As much as I'd like there to be, I'm still very skeptical about the whole thing. You're kind of a negative Nelly about this whole thing. I'm looking at this as glass yeah. half full. I'm, I, I see a lot of reason to be optimistic. You know? Yeah, sorry for, sorry for I, being a No, I get it. Downer. I get it. You're on here to give your take. I get that. It's like, uh, you know, what what was it, a couple of weeks ago, a Division II conference in California, and you might be more familiar with it than I am, but they said they are not going to have any fall sports this year. They've canceled their fall slate already, and California is a state. They, you know, they were talking about we might not have pro sports here for a number of months uh, for the rest of the year, and now they've kind of changed their face, and uh, Governor Gavin Newsom says that uh, pro sports could return by the first week of June, which is coming up here rather yeah. quickly. And, you know, as a nation, I I think, I'd like to think, I, I don't know, I can't give a definitive answer, but I think that we're over the hump as far as the coronavirus peak. And I know that's true for a lot of areas in this country. And that's kind of where we get to geographical equity. And this is a topic that they discussed on First Take earlier this morning. Um, you know, let me start by saying this because there was breaking news in my home state of Iowa earlier today where Iowa plays you know and they're unique for doing this no other state in the nation plays softball and baseball as a summer sport I was the only one in the nation that does so they were supposed to open the season probably this week usually opening day for Iowa high school baseball and softball is usually the last week of school which is now and 
earlier today, you know, because and they did cancel their spring sports. They finished their winter sports in time, but they canceled their spring sports season. Earlier today, Governor Kim Reynolds said that she's given the green light for high schools to have a baseball and softball season this summer, that starting June 1st, that schools can resume in-person practices for those sports. And, you know, here's another thing about Iowa is they are also the only state in the nation that has two different governing bodies for their high school sports. They have a boys athletic association and a girls athletic union. And, uh, and now it's up to those governing bodies if they are going to put on a season now that they have the green light from the governor and what social distancing guidelines are going to be put in place. But I tell you, Michael, if we can have a season in Iowa, if all goes well, and I'm, I'm hoping it does, I really do, all eyes are going to be on Iowa, possibly as a model for getting back to some normal life in terms of sports, whether it's at the high school, collegiate, or even the pro level. There's no sports, at least of that caliber, no team sports going on in this country. Iowa baseball and softball at the high school level will be the first. And I, I don't want to say they're test subjects, but all eyes are going to be on Iowa, pretty much providing a model to hopefully get things back to normal. Yeah, and I think that that's going to be a really good tone setter, too. For I mean, because think about it, high school sports are going to be, or they have the least amount of resources, or the, theoretically they should have the least amount of resources of any of the three levels, high school, college, and professional. Mm -hmm. So if they can sustain it, they don't see any sort of spike, and they're able to put together something pretty close to what's normal, then I think that's going to be a very good trendsetter the rest of the country and i'm hoping that all does go well and that's it, they've still yeah, got a lot to figure out a lot of moving pieces but it's a big first step yeah most important thing is obviously making sure everybody's safe but i mean I, blake snell sort of talked about this too on his toys or i've heard a lot of people talk about this but if you get even one case if you find even one case that's going to set you back that's going to put you back to square one basically mm -hmm. and that's honestly probably is going to be the hardest part for Iowa restarting high school athletics this summer. It's not getting the governor or the athletic association or the girls union to say we're going to have a season. The most challenging part in all this is going to fall on the athletic directors and school administrators because things are different from county to county, not just in Iowa, but everywhere you go. And with travel, what have you, you are going to be navigating so many different scenarios. That is going to be the hardest part, logistically trying to make this happen. And another thing is going to be, imagine the bad PR, the bad press that the athletic directors are going to get if some of the students contract corona now. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, this is pretty brave. I don't want to say brave, but gutsy. There we go. Pretty gutsy by the athletic directors and by the state in general because I can just imagine the PR nightmare that would come down if it's like, you know, you didn't have to pick sports back up. Could have just canceled the summer season, but you had to have sports. Mm -hmm. Now look what happened, you know? If right. it works out, great, but I think that the risk is a little too high in terms of, one, of course, the students, that's the most important thing, but two, just how bad it's going to look if it goes poorly. It is very ambitious, no doubt, and Iowa's one of the places in the country, as a state, their numbers are still rising. I don't I don't think they've peaked yet, uh, so it's extremely ambitious, and uh, I, I just hope that everyone is doing the right things, and that the governor will work with the union, with the association that govern high school sports in Iowa, and they are going to come out with the best plan possible because they haven't put out these guidelines yet. They expect to have more information out tomorrow, but that will be on the part of the administrators and the union, the association to work with the governor. And I I just hope everything goes well. And I, you know what? Not just for everyone to be safe. I obviously hope for that, but maybe – they they will go about this the right way, and they will give us kind of a roadmap for how sports to continue. It's it's a huge risk, and it's not one I I, I don't know if I would take, but you know what? I'm just it's going to be fascinating to sit back and watch, and I I just hope everyone stays safe with this. Yeah, and like you said, I hope everybody stays safe, and uh, I mean I don't I, I the safe thing to do, the smart thing to do would be to just let this summer pass with nothing going on. 
That uh, you do that, everybody will love you for that. So it's a little, like you said, ambitious for them to do it. But if it pulls, if it, if they pull it off, I mean, there'll be people everybody looks to. So I tell you what, yep, got to be really interesting to see what happens in Iowa over the summer, and maybe they can provide a roadmap to get us back to normalcy in terms of sports. Let's take our last time out. I still want to dive into geographical equity, but at a much larger scale. Next on ESPN-UP. Since before the Mighty Mac was built, Embers has been here for the Youpers that have made this community what it is. In these challenging times, we want to say thank you to the selfless men and women that show what it means to be Youper strong. And even as we adapt, we will never stop living it up. You've been here for us, and we are here for you. We are never more than a call, click, or tap away. We're Ember's Credit Union. We will get through this together. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. mobile app in the Apple Live Store Google Play. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Holfling with you. I'm glad to have you along as always. I want to keep talking about geographical equity, and I meant to get into that in the previous segment. We started talking about what's going on in Iowa this summer, and again, if you missed that, uh, please check that out. It's worth a listen because it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in Iowa this summer. But geographical equity on a much larger scale was being discussed on first take earlier this morning. And what I mean by that, Michael, is in terms of college athletics. There's a discussion here as to whether some states are going to open up sooner than others will. And that will give schools and the athletes there an advantage over the rest of competition. And, you know, and to further explain that, take into account the SEC. You have largely uh, the schools in that conference are in uh, predominantly red states, states that are, you know, we've done this as we always do as Americans. We politicize everything that even reopening the state has become a polarizing debate. Uh, we've made it a red-blue issue. But, you know, either or. Predominantly, the SEC has schools in red states, the exceptions being Kentucky and Louisiana. So you have all but two states with member schools in the SEC that are going to be opening up sooner rather than later. Thus, those facilities, those college uh, workout rooms are going to be able to bring their athletes sooner rather than later. Now, conversely, in the other side of the country, you've got the Pac-12, where every state that has a member, except also if also except two, but they're blue states out there, states like Oregon, California, Washington, the only exceptions being Arizona and Utah that have Pac-12 members there. So if the SEC is getting a leg up and they would be likely here if they're getting a leg up and getting their athletes in there quicker and they're maybe a month or so ahead of the Pac-12 schools is that an argument to say we shouldn't have college football not can we do it safely but is it is it a disadvantage to the schools that aren't able to open up uh, and get their athletes on campus and working out before other ones do is that geographical equity a reason that we shouldn't have college football not safety but simply because some schools are going to be behind others um no that's not a reason and uh, i mean think about how bad that is right mm -hmm. the first thing you think of uh, during a pandemic is yeah i mean some schools are just going to have an advantage with this whole thing i think that that's just kind of bad isn't the whole point of sports bad. to enjoy i mean isn't it isn't the whole point of sports to enjoy what you do I agree, but there are Bond people having this conversation. Uh, this conversation really is that, happening. That's that's ridiculous. That's, I know. That's stupid. I agree. Uh, you think that that's the biggest problem? I can tell you, like I can probably name twenty bigger problems off the top of my head. Scouting, right? Scouting, and the, 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 there's a whole problem with how people are paying some of their athletes to come to their schools right now. And the, before, like giving them a hundred bucks in the freaking playbook and whatnot like <laughs> that's a whole thing too <laughs> and you're going to complain about getting to practice before other 
no, that's ridiculous. There are some that's schools ridiculous. complaining about that, though, that, and that is a conversation <laughs> that they're having at a national level right now. Is because can't we just can we just unite behind sports when it, when, when 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 people give the, the give the good good to go sign and everything? Can't people just be happy that other people get to go back to playing the thing that they love? Apparently not, because we made <laughs> reopening or staying closed a red blue issue. We got to make everything ridiculous. more complicated than it does. It is ridiculous, but that is a real conversation that some states are having. And like I said in the previous segment, Ohio State already has set a date to bring their football players back to campus. They're going to do so on June 8th. So you think about here, maybe in Big Ten country, where it's a little more evened out. You've got, you know, where our listeners are predominantly going to come from Wisconsin and Michigan. Both have blue governors, but both went red the last presidential election. Uh, it, who knows what they're going to look like as far as what restrictions are going to be there. Wisconsin Supreme Court just overruled that governor's stay-at-home law, and there's a likely chance that the you know, and a, the judge who listened to the lawsuit against Governor Whitmer here said that this is going to go to the Supreme Court, so there's a chance that could get overturned. Meanwhile, you've got other schools like Iowa has a red governor, uh, Nebraska does, Minnesota's a blue governor, but they are opening up still. And these schools are all getting their athletes back on campus first. Meanwhile, Michigan, Michigan State, and I don't know what the Badgers are going to end up looking like, what is going to go on in Wisconsin. They're going to be behind the curve. They're going to be behind getting their athletes prepared and ready for the season. You think about the other schools in this conference. Illinois right now is a blue governor. Indiana, Maryland, they have red governors. Penn, uh, Pennsylvania, Penn State, they have a blue governor. It's There are going to be some states that are going to be well behind the curve, and those states, their coaches are saying, we can't start on time. we got to, you know, we or at least some of those coaches and administrators, I'm not going to lump everybody together, but there are people saying we can't start on time because of the restrictions on our state, so the college football season should not start on time. No, but, I mean, that's dumb. It's dumb. Anytime uh, anytime that any school or any player or any team or any organization has a distinct advantage too, like maybe there could be an asterisk put on them. But in general, all the pressure, that's just more pressure that rides on them. It's like now they need to succeed even more because they have this advantage. And if they don't, then that's even worse. So any advantage can also be a disadvantage no matter how you look at it. Yeah. And – I mean, if you're really that upset and you really want your team to practice that much more, guess what? Fly your team out to the state that's opening. I wonder if that'll be an option. I mean, if people are that upset, then guess what? The option's there. Well, financially it might not be. Financially it might not be for some schools, but, you know, the the Power Fives, they – a lot of those should be fine if, you know, they're in a blue state and it's not opening up. Most Power Fives will be all right. But if it's that big an issue, if it's that much a problem, if you're willing to cancel an entire football season because it's that much an issue, guess what? Find space in the budget. <laughs> well, some you're schools are can- having – You're willing to cancel the whole season, which means you're going to lose money because guess what? There's not going to be any games for the university to make money off of. So if you're willing to cancel a season, find space in the budget. But it's not that simple. You have schools right now that are cutting sports. You've got, uh, I think, six different schools oh, have cut I, an I, Olympic I sport. That. The MAC, the MAC is That's a it. conference, Michael. Are, they're not going to stay in hotels the night before the game anymore just to save money. They are going to bus to wherever they're going on game day and save money on hotels. Like That's almost like a high school thing. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not saying that there aren't a lot of schools that are fine, that are being financially burdened like this, but it, I'm, I am saying that you're going to lose money if you don't have a college football season. Mm-hmm. So I don't get what the financial problem would be to just throw a little bit more in there to ensure that you do. Well, because you you would be looking because, at cutting well, other yeah, sports. Like, even while these schools, like, yeah, you're, the, the MAC is a conference that's refusing to stay in hotels anymore to save money. But they're doing that to make sure they can have a college football season. Mm-hmm. They're saving that money to have the college football season. Why can't other people do the same sort of thing? I I don't know. They're doing their darndest to make ends meet. I, I, I know that they've had several schools that have cut 
uh, sports from their budget, and uh, it, it's sad to see. You feel horrible for those kids and their scholarships and those coaches, and uh, you just schools are doing their darndest right now to get some kind of income coming from anywhere. But it's a discussion that's being had right now, right or wrong. That is a discussion that a lot of people are having. I do want to get to this, though, here, Michael, before we run out of time, because in regards to college football, whether it will be played or not this year, the uh, the University of Michigan football coach is, of course, Jim Harbaugh, Captain Khakis, and he plays in front of the largest stadium in college football. He played there, now he coaches there. Michigan, the big house, is literally the biggest house in college football, and when asked about you know, potentially playing without fans in that big empty stadium, Harbaugh actually said, and this is a quote, heck yeah, I'd be comfortable coaching a game without any fans. If the choice were to play in front of no fans or not play, I would choose to play in front of no fans. And I'm sure a lot of people have that sentiment, what have you. But Harbaugh is actually someone who prefers, I think, to have a a, a stadium that's just quiet. And it's to me, that's weird. That just doesn't seem like Harbaugh. Nobody to say he fails against Ohio State. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Yeah, I know. but um, I'm a big Harbaugh supporter, too. But, I know. I mean, I know. that's the first thing that comes to my head. Well, yeah, and, you know, you're a 49er fan. He got you to a Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Harbaugh just always kind of seems like he has a boisterous personality. It's, it's tough for me to see that he would embrace playing without fans, but he's pretty darn optimistic about it, so – you know, whatever whatever it takes to get the season underway. I'm, you know, and I, I'm with Harbaugh on that. Yeah. I, I'm like, the most important thing for me is the love of the game. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you're willing to play without fans, that's for the love of the game. Yeah. So, and, I respect know, that. Yep. And, you know, when we have this whole talk about, you know, some states are saying our governor's not opening us up, so we need the season to be postponed. I, I like to see that out of Harbaugh, that, you know, he's willing to do whatever it takes. And I give him a ton of credit for that. Um and I wanted to get into something regarding, uh, you know, we're we're all going through this basketball nostalgia phase, and I, it's, <laughs> I wanted to get to something that uh, ESPN just put out there regarding some of the greatest starting lineups of all time. I don't think we're going to have time for it, so let's do that. I'm going to save that for tomorrow. Let me have a little discussion with you here in our final couple of minutes, and it's something that they were talking to Dominic Foxworth earlier today on the Dan Lebitard show with Stu Gatz because LeBron went on a podcast. LeBron James said that during the lockout, the NBA lockout about eight years ago, he really thought they wouldn't have a season. So he started running football routes. He was an all-state football player in high school. He was just a tremendously gifted athlete. He was a, uh, I, I don't know if he led the state in receptions or touchdowns or what, but he is a massive human being. He's got huge soft hands. I could see why he would be a great football player and Jerry Jones this shouldn't surprise anybody was willing to give LeBron a contract he was willing to get LeBron a contract to be a cowboy tight end so they started having this discussion today I want to get your thoughts on it if you had your choice which basketball player would you put at the tight end spot if they played NFL would you put LeBron or prime Shaquille O'Neal LeBron 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 LeBron, LeBron's all right. Way fast. LeBron's way faster. That's true. Uh, yeah, tight ends don't need to be fast. Yeah, but it helps when you are. It you it helps. Vertical guys. I feel like Shaq is a better blocker though. Shaq, Shaq could be a better blocker, but you take a look at Shaq, and I don't know if he could catch a bullet pass no? as well as LeBron James could. Like LeBron James just seems more athletically gifted, I, and like. I th- in terms of physically gifted, like definitely Shaquille O'Neal and definitely blocking and whatnot, Shaq would hold the advantage. But in terms of getting upfield and making catches in traffic, I think LeBron James holds that one. I don't think you need to, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here because you make a great case, but I don't think you need to throw a bullet pass to Shaq. You can pretty much just lob it up there. He's like seven feet tall. <laughs> Who's going to stop him? I mean that's true, but I mean, what's what? There's a, there's a reason that vertical jump is in the combine. A lot of those NFL players can jump really dang high. So, mm-hmm. I don't, uh, like the Shaq would be fine. I mean, I think he'd make a good tight end. But there's a reason that LeBron James was the number one col- uh, college football recruit coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. 
I tell you what, what if you ran a two tight end set with Shaq and LeBron? That would just be unstoppable. It'd be really good. You got your red zone guy and Shaq, and you got your two-minute drill guy and LeBron James. So, well, and that's, yeah, that, that's it. And you talked about the versatility, you know, the ability to run and have better speed. And you know what? I think it, we're talking in their pride, but LeBron, if you're thinking long-term, he'll give you a lot longer than Shaq did. I mean, Shaq, you know, if he he had some weight problems, and I think that limited how great he could have been in the NBA. I think LeBron would – would give you a little bit more longevity at that position. But what's funny is that LeBron James' teammates have always talked about how they're, they don't know how LeBron James doesn't have a weight problem. <laughs> he has a bad diet. Yeah, his diet is atrocious or something like that. So <laughs> I don't know, man. Hey, good for him. Yeah, you talk about longevity. He just has the metabolism to get through it. I tell you what, I'm glad that we were able to talk that out here at ESPN-UP. And with that, we're out of time, man. It's always good talking. I always appreciate you coming on air with me. What's coming up at ABC 10? You working on anything? Sports are coming back eventually, hopefully. When that happens, we're going to have some stuff. Don't want to spoil it as of right now, but we have some ideas for when things finally return and when we can finally sit down with athletes once again. So we have some plans, but until we know when we can do it, don't want to spoil anything. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing the surprise then. I'm back on tomorrow, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. It's my hope you join me then. For John Michael Holfling, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to ESPN-UP. I'm Ishpeming Marquette.